0: Well, we're glad you're here this morning at Family Bible Church on Easter Sunday, you know. It's so funny. Easter is an opportunity for us to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to really maybe rethink about the things that we think we know already. Easter is such a, a, a profound um, holiday, for our culture everyone knows we're celebrating easter i went on some websites this morning and right away all the headlines are about jesus and the resurrection and all these kind of things I mean, i'm talking like completely secular organizations are interested in what christ has done and the truth of the claims of christianity and we have an opportunity you know every week to proclaim i mean every day we were talking this morning at the summer service every day we can proclaim this truth of the profound reality of jesus christ in our life and and um and, and yet, for much of the world, it sounds like foolishness. The, the, God, the, the Bible says the same, that the world will think it's foolishness, but for you, it's salvation. And that's what I've learned myself, actually, in following God. Well, this morning, I'm going to ask you, I think my first thing here is the, yeah, we're going to, oh, I didn't give you a page number. Man, that's a bummer. If, if you've got, you got a Bible, you can find John 20. But if you didn't bring a Bible, we have on the end table, or the end rows. We don't have, we have a few tables. If you're lucky, you get a table, right? John 20, I'm going to look it up and see where we're at. Because I want everybody to get a chance to look at the verse, you know. We always say at Family Bible Church, don't take our word for it, read it for yourself. What is it? Did you just one-up me in front of the whole church, Chris Ann? <laughs> she just out-pastored me, right, in front of everybody. <laughs> 174. I am just trying to make sure. I was trying to make it wrong. <laughs> 7.54. Yeah, there you go. Put your finger there. We're not going to look at that. But that's the verse we're going to be talking about today. But, you know, uh, the goal of these services is to make much of Jesus. I mean, really, to make much of Jesus, you know. Um, there's a great passage, of scripture that says... I must decrease that he may increase or he can increase that I might decrease. That's our prayer is that in this journey and what my desire as a church, um, a part of our church here, is that you would be transformed by the reality of Christ in your life. Not that someone talked you into it or used the right argument or said the right words and then one day, I mean, God uses people to share the gospel, Right? That's the whole story after Jesus' incarnation is the church sharing the good news. And yet there's a divine reality that God alone reveals truth. And what happens is when you recognize, identify, believe in God yourself, no one will have to convince you of anything. You'll know it. That's our prayer for you, and for me, is that we engage God directly. We don't believe that there are things other than sin that separate us from God. No human institution separates us from God. So the funny thing is, um, I ask you to hold that John 20, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but um, we did a really wild thing last weekend. Oh, was it last weekend or the weekend before? We went to Dare to Share. Was that last weekend? Yeah, that's crazy. Who went to Dare to Share? If you're here this morning, Dare to Share people, Anybody? Seriously, one at a girl. That's right. There's other people here with Dare to Share, but they aren't out here. I guess um, it was really cool. I should have put a group picture up there. But what happened at Dare to Share was this kind of this challenge of you know, how, what are you doing with the salvation that God has given you? You know, some of us come to know faith in Christ, but do you go out and do you even care about the rest of the world who's dying for good news? I mean, really, look around, dying for good news. And one of the things that was shared at the conference that um, I took literally and. Uh, had the opportunity to do this, but uh, there was a challenge It said, you know, go out somewhere and just sit and look at people. Don't have an agenda, don't have a plan of what you're going to do, other than just sit and watch people in their life. And go somewhere popular, populated. And so in the middle of a weekday, you know, I'm thinking, where am I going to go? How am I going to do this? And I, I went to the mall, the mall in St. Clair, or in uh, Fairview Heights, St. Clair Square. Haven't been there in a while, you know, and uh, I, I usually if I go to the mall, I don't know if you're like me, but you want to get in and out. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, you don't look, look for parking, but you just get the first parking spot. You see, you hump it in there. You get what you want. You make the plan where you're going to go through the least number of stores. You drag the entire family, you know, Chris and Olivia are kind of window shoppers. They're like, oh, can we? No, we cannot. We're, you know, like we said we are coming for these. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get out of here. Of course, then when I get in the stores, I wanna, I'm like, just a minute, honey. You know, um, but in and out, that's the goal. You know, there's just this trap, it feels like to me, you know, and you come out and you're like, I survived You know, good job. So I went and I walked around the mall. Mall's kind of like this space, actually, except there's, like, vendors everywhere. And, And I walked around and I wanted to find a spot to sit. But the first thing that happened when I walked in the main doors is they had this crazy-looking setup, and, I, and they had a camera and a flash thing, Mark, this really fancy flash umbrella thing. And, and I was I'm like, what are they even taking pictures of? Like, there's nothing down there. I couldn't see anything of what it was. And then after I walked the whole mall, and I walked around all of it. By the way, those mall walkers, did you know those mall walkers that just go walk the mall? I didn't know those people existed. I kept seeing them like, dude, you've been by here three times. And then I realized they're like, whoo, 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 you know, it's like a free gym membership to the mall. I don't know. Anyways. Um but they were rolling around and so finally then I came and I, I wanted to find a bench to sit on and watch and get a lot of view of a lot of people I could see. And so when I finally did, I, I sat down and then I saw it. I saw what, what all the fuss was about. You see, it, it was pictures with the Easter bunny. I went back. This isn't where I sat from. This is from the second deck because I felt like I didn't want to go back down to my spot. I was actually sitting on a couch this way about 50 feet. The funny thing is when I first sat down there, there was no line for the Easter Bunny. Like there was nobody waiting to see him. And so the really weird thing was here you got this, um, I thought it was fake. It was like this, just sitting on the bench. And I'm like, they're doing pictures with a stuffed bunny. And I mean, I watched this thing for a while. It's got like white gloves on, because we all know bunnies wear gloves, right? Um, and it's set in there, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's alive. Oh, what's going on?" And I realized, there's a person getting paid minimum wage is set in that suit. That's crazy. And it's like these kind of tacked together boards, and they had this Ferris wheel that, you, you know, the bunnies on it were like taking their life and limb at risk. They could have died. It was so rickety. It was all painted, and it was so weird. It was so weird. These plastic eggs, these, they were and just weird, right? And I, my goal is to set a half hour and watch the people, but I kept getting distracted by this bunny. And I kept thinking, what did people think of us? You know what I mean? Like, here's the funny thing. You know, many people in the world say, well, Christians are crazy. You know, they'll say that. Christians are crazy. Yet I'm looking at the seat. I'm going, what is going on? You got people coming in and some of you dress up today praise god i love easter colors but they, they're bringing these little kids and they're like in little suits and ties they're so cute and dresses that are like all frilly and frizzy and they're trying to get in there. like moms are doing this thing with the hair and you know what i mean but lo and behold i took a, i cropped this again this is later in the day but you can see there's a line of people there's a line of people right and they're like all oh, everyone's watching, they're like, "What's happening?" you know and here's this really cute little um, brother, sister, or whomever they are, and they're getting a picture made. My favorite um, experience is I only sat there for a half hour, but what's uh is that there was this one little baby, and the mom sat on the bench next to the bunny, and they kept trying to make the bunny more friendly, you know, because the baby wasn't having it. <laughs> the baby's like, "Nope, weird, not doing that. That thing's huge, you know I look like." lunch to that thing, and, and, and they would go, okay, look, and he would like play with the ball, and the baby would hold the ball, and the thing would hold the ball, and then the mom would go, okay, and then it was like a, a near, it was like a proximity sensor for the rabbit, <laughs> it was like, I mean, that kid would stop crying the minute it was removed from the travesty of the situation, you know. So the, my favorite, and I, if I have been thinking I would had a picture, I should have went and paid them and talking about them had a picture made with a rabbit just for fun. But uh, they, uh, they end up getting a picture of mom like, you know, like this was the final picture, like, uh, and the baby's like, uh, like half in, half out, and the rabbit's like, uh, you know. It was memories for a lifetime, right? And I just think like, what? What are we doing with Easter? What's really happening with Easter? You know, the funny thing is, like, I'm not mad about it. I mean, I'm not mad about Easter grass and Easter baskets and Easter dresses and all the stuff, Easter egg hunts. My daughter loves an Easter egg hunt, man. I'm not. But it's just kind of ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, out of context, it's kind of ridiculous. And as I sat and I watched a scene like that unfold, and I'm challenged about a world that really needs peace that really needs sacrificial love that really needs hope and it just strikes me as an imposter you know it's like that candy you eat man it's good when you're eating it but then the rest of the day you feel like crap there's no hope in it some part of my soul that gets unsettled settled about that The truth of the gospel of Jesus is that it wasn't like that at all. You know, we we go from last Sunday where Jesus comes in and there's a triumphal entry and people are like, yeah, he's the king, he's the king. They throw down their clothes and they wave palm fronds and they celebrate Jesus. But that's not the whole Easter story. The Easter story is about the Son of God coming to dwell among his people and the people that he loved the most, the people that he went through life and he said, hey, you, follow me. Hey, you, follow me. You, follow me. Those people in his life betray him. Now, I'm not talking about the, you know, we go oh, all those religious leaders, like, you know, crucify him, you know, and they got the scandal. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people that Jesus ate with. We had communion last week, and I remember that, that the people that dipped their hands in his cup that he says, I'm freely giving to you. Those people betray Jesus. The Easter story is not a story of easy answers, of feel-good moments. It's a story of betrayal. It's a story of being beaten, being forsaken, dying, and ultimately being alone, completely alone. You think of some of the last words that Jesus says from the cross? And he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That doesn't sound like feel-good theology. Jesus breathed his last. And we call it Good Friday, and some people have been challenging that. Why do we call it Good Friday? Some say it's good for us, but you know, it says, for the joy sat before him, he endured the shame of the cross for the joy that was to lay ahead. And for us, it looked broken and hopeless. And maybe for you, you know, today, your Easter story isn't like, you know, plastic eggs and, you know, Cadbury, you know, filled chocolate and this isn't your story. Maybe your story is like gross. Maybe your story is broken, screwed up maybe, and I mean this, church, listen to me, maybe you have believed fundamentally the lie that, you, that life is over for you, that no one wants you, that no one needs you, oh, that you have no purpose to serve anymore. You see, and if that's you today, I want you to know that you are in good company, because that's where our Lord Jesus Christ was at on Good Friday, alone and despised and seemingly abandoned. The truth of the gospel is though that it doesn't end there. I wanted to I wanna share this um, video with you, our friends at Crew. It's called Crew now, it's Campus Crusade for Christ. Put together this video to illustrate and I just want to share it with you this morning.
1: You. Look at your eyes. Look at them. Speckled. Colorful. Each one unique. And I created every one of them. I created everything. The universe and you. I gave you your personality. I made you pure. every day, I give you life, I love you, but something happened, you cheated on me, you didn't trust me, you sinned, you cut yourself off from me, and although you're still alive, we're slowly dying. So you looked for other things to fill the void. But nothing works. It just kills you faster, and it separates us more and more. I never sinned. I came to save you. You have so many sins, and they have a cost. Someone has to die you or me. So I took on your sin.
0: The, um, the beautiful truth about Easter and I love um, that we do these eggs we always fill them with something cheap right the beautiful truth I always think and you need to ask me this all real Easter eggs should be empty I think they should be today we're going to talk from the scriptures about why that's so significant about what And if you are here and you're like, I don't get that stuff, you aren't alone in that. I ask you to keep your finger in in John 20. Check it out with me if you would. The the reality of Easter is about what's not there, about Christ not being present in his tomb. So I'm going to start in verse 1. I want you to hear the word, maybe hear it for the first time. I'm going to ask that we would pray as we enter into it, that God would expound it with his wisdom and knowledge. Father God, as we enter into your word today, we give you praise and glory because you alone are worthy to be praised. Your great gospel is good news for the whole earth, for everyone, everyone, Father God. We love you and we thank you that we are counted among the redeemed. We didn't deserve it, and yet you gave it to us as a gift. And Father, today we ask that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, that we could understand your word rightly, that we would take it away from the goofiness we've turned it into and proclaim the reality of your good news for your people. And may you be forever praised and glorified by us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Check it out. You've heard this before. It's chapter 20, verse 1. Early that first day of the week, while it was yet dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running back to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, they have taken the Lord from his tomb, and we don't know where they put him. I want you to understand something right away in this text and in this reality as you come into the tomb and the resurrection reality of Jesus Christ is that when those who were nearest to him went, why did they go? They went to prepare, to, to, to pay homage, to respect because their Lord had been killed. And the first thought in their minds is someone has stolen him. He's not here. And if any of us, if we opened or cracked an egg and we would say, where's the candy? That's the exact same thing. They say, where is Jesus? Someone has taken him away. Pick it up with me. So, and by the way, the disciple whom Jesus loved is the author of the book of John, which I love that. If you read Gospel of John, I would encourage you to read it as a first-person narrative. Put yourself in his seat because he believes that God loved him so much that he would give his son to die And this is the reality that we see here. So the one that Jesus loved is told. And so Peter and the other disciple, that's the one whom he loved, started running for the tomb. Both of them were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. So get the scene. They run. When Mary says someone has taken Jesus' body, they're mad. Because, you know, it's one thing to kill him. It's one thing to mock him and spit on him. It's one thing to hang him on a cross and let him die, but to desecrate his grave and remove him from there is unacceptable. And they run to the tomb. But I want you to see, and I love that, this is the way I'd write the story if I was John as well. When he gets there, he stops at the threshold because he's not going to go in. He's not going to go in. He stops there as he gets there first. But look at Peter, man. you got to love Peter. And if you can't identify with John, you got to identify with Peter. But Peter ran straight in, it says. Both running, the other outran Peter, and he reached the tomb. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. That's John. Now, here you go. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, this is John, arrived and went straight into the tomb. That's Peter for you. And he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Then finally, the other disciple, who had finished, had reached the tomb first, also went inside. And he saw, and listened to what the word says, and believed. They did not still understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Verse 10, Then the disciples went back to their homes. No, there's more of the story, and I'd encourage you to read it. You you can read that entire passage. It gets really great. Later on, Thomas Thomas comes back, and they're saying, we've seen the Lord. And he's like, I'll believe it when I see it. And if, if you're like Thomas, I was like Thomas, then, you know, Jesus is gracious enough to show up and show Thomas too. But the reality is for these two disciples as they run to the tomb is that they don't find what they expect to see. They don't find what they expected to see. One is that Mary says the body's been stolen, so they're already mad. Is he going to be there? Is she lying? Is she mis- mistaken? Is it the wrong tomb? Is it the wrong place? It can't possibly be that Jesus isn't in the grave anymore. It's not possible that he's not there. Then the second thing that they see they can't believe is that he's not there. He's not there. But the grave clothes that have been used to wrap his body are laying there where he was. John records here that when I saw it, I believed. When I saw the empty tomb, I believed. I got it. But you know, you gotta walk out a little bit and you wonder, like, what did they expect? What did they expect? They expected to find his body. They really did. They expected to find him there. Even if the stone was moved away, he would be there somewhere. He would be in the room. The fundamental misunderstanding about the resurrection of Jesus is that he was no longer there. He was alive. You see, they expected this grave. They expected this moment on the cross. And they expected this cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished to be Jesus' very last words. But they weren't. You recall when Jesus is raised, he comes and he says, peace. Peace. When, Peter, when Thomas doubts, when Thomas doubts and Jesus shows up, he doesn't go, ha-ha, he says, peace. Peace. You see, I was reminded of this reality that for the disciples and for all of creation, I mean, for every person involved, from Pilate to the religious leaders to everyone involved, to his followers, to Mary Magdalene, everyone expected that Jesus would stay where he was. They were not prepared for the reality of what God would do. But for Jesus, the tomb was temporary. The tomb was temporary. I was spending the night um, actually there to share at, at a friend's house. And uh, And I was raised by a mom. My mom raised me right and tried to raise me right, you know, right? (laughs) And she did okay, I guess. I don't know. Um, But when I got up in the morning, you know, I'm I'm not a morning. I'm like this. uh, I woke up. But I knew enough that intrinsically as I began to get ready for my day, I started doing this deal, right? Do You do this. When you're a guest in someone's house, do you do this? I love that the word says that they walked in and they saw the strips of linen that were meant to bind him forever, forever. I mean, they wrapped him up to preserve his body. And Jesus, in his resurrected state, takes time to fold it up and lay it. Because he's just passing through. He's just passing through. The whole world says you're staying. And God says, death is not the end. Well, this is good news. And this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the good news that one of the disciples later understood it from Scripture when they went back and they read the prophecies that the son must die, that there must be a sacrifice paid for your sin and for my sin that the good news worth proclaiming is that death isn't the end, that Jesus' resurrected body was proof that death is not the end. Later on, when Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you, he means it, and they know it, and they begin to be scattered, to run and to proclaim and to shout the good news of Jesus. And the truth for me and for you is the same. The opportunity we have because of easter it's to tell people that it's not hopeless that it's not over that there's still life to be had even beyond the grave i said earlier to you some of some of you are here and you think man it's over for me you don't even know I do, man, I I know, I remember, I still feel the burden of the things that that were holding me back. And yet the truth is, in the gospel, I see this reality that we're just passing through. Jesus says that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's a promise of the gospel for any of us and all of us. And the truth is that this is only given through God. So I want to say something to you today, you know, wherever you are in your faith life, like wherever you are, like don't cheapen the resurrection story. You know what I mean? Don't polish out all the blood, pretty up all of this messed up hair. Let it be the pronouncement that it is. That when God says it's not over, it's not over. The truth that we have in a resurrected Savior is hope beyond measure. And you know what? We don't know it perfectly. The resurrection is dirty and it's gritty and it's confusing. And and, and when you're there, you're like the disciples and you're like, man, what does that mean? But Jesus keeps whispering. Listen. He keeps whispering in your life. It's not over. It's not over for you. And the liar is there saying, It's over. Give up. Today, the resurrection good news is that God is not done. And, and wherever you are in your journey, and maybe you, I don't know if you're like me, but you feel that still, God's saying, It's not over for you yet. I'm not done. With you yet, grave does not, the grave does not define me. Well, I praise God for that truth today. And I wanted to, to make sure that you have a chance to believe. And, and it's not a choice of your own making, but if God's been pulling you and pushing you and dragging you, is between you and God, to say, God, I believe that. I don't, I, I'm done being done. I'm done for my life being over. That reality can be yours today. It's a gift of Christ. It's not ours to to minister or to give to you. We just offer it, but it's a clear choice. And I'll tell you one last thing, folks. Listen to me. When you walk out of here today, I mean, however you came to the door, when you walk out of here today, you're gonna make a decision about what you believe about Jesus. And you're gonna either decide that he is God in the flesh That his sacrifice covered all of our sins, that he was not wasted on the cross and he was raised from the dead. Or you're going to walk out and you're not going to believe any of it. I simply don't believe that. And that's going to be a choice that you're going to be able to make. One thing that the true, honest, authentic gospel does not let us have is the option to not make a decision about Jesus. It just doesn't exist, nobody gets a pass. You will decide what you believe. I would encourage you if you've never believed in him before, that you would, you would invite him in and maybe gently, you know. I mean, that was my story. Maybe quietly. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe, maybe Christians have screwed it up for you. Maybe the way the churches behave has screwed it up for you, you know. And you're like, I'm done with that stuff. I can totally relate. Or or maybe it's, you know, other things in your life. Maybe there's stuff you don't want to get rid of. I can totally relate. But what we're offering, what we're preaching, is not religion but a relationship with Jesus. You, Jesus, the cross, salvation, eternal resurrection. It's a gift. So today, maybe in your heart, you want to pray to receive him. I'm going to give you the chance to do that. I'm going to invite you to pray with me and you can do what you want. And I want to be very clear again. I've said this before, but listen, this ain't a show. This ain't a game. And this is for real, real life. No joke. And it's between you and God. So you talk to him if you want to. Please pray with me if you would. Father God, today for the great good news that's so far beyond bunnies and eggs and dresses, we give you thanks and praise for the mess of it all, for the sacrifice on a cross, for sins that we could never pay for. We give you thanks and praise. And for a great and glorious gospel that we can go with reckless abandon and tell other people, Jesus died to forgive you. We give you praise, Father. May we never hinder people from coming to you. Father, for those who are here today, and maybe somebody has been around for a while, but they don't fundamentally believe the truth of the gospel, I pray that your spirit would draw them in that they would receive you to be their Lord and Savior. I believe that, I pray that they would believe the verse that says, whosoever would believe. Whosoever, Father. What a great gift it is to us. And then may we glorify you forever. May we be gracious to others in your name. Father God, would you help us stop being stupid in the world and show love? Would you help us to do these things rightly? Because we can't do it alone. Father, I'm reminded that the gospel isn't just for that moment. It's for the rest of our lives. And maybe we're far from you. Father, draw us back. Remind us of the good news. May we know it so deeply. May we know the forgiveness of our sins so profoundly that we would willingly, automatically, without effort or concern, offer that grace to others. And we'll give you praise and glory because you alone are worthy. We thank you for your kingdom and your son and the reality and everything that's happening today. We'll give you praise and glory for the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.